Hello listeners, I'm Sydney Roshnick, your host for this first episode of the MVHS Oracles podcast. Please join me on our first topic uh, about the campus change petition and what it means for our school, as I sat down with three MVHS students who personally worked to make it happen. Um, I'm Enola Talbert, I am a senior at Mountain View. Um, I'm Nicole Wagenbrenner, and I'm a junior at Mountain View. Um, and I'm Sri Harini Seishachalam, and I'm a senior at Mountain View. If could I have one person try to <laughs> describe or summarize the petition's mission statement? Um, a senior who just graduated this last year um, in the middle of the summer named Sarah Tang reached out to me on Instagram and I'm assuming like a bunch of other people and I didn't know who she was. She really wanted to make some reform policies about Mountain View and um, she wanted to make a bunch of like equitable reforms. She wanted to make the curriculums a lot more um, racially inclusive and she thought that this would be a perfect time to do so um, in the wake of, of the Black Lives Matter movement and also um, a lot of other tragedies that, that have happened in the past. And um, of course I was, I was wanting to support it. And then we kind of made a group chat on Instagram and she's decided the way that we would carry this out was by making a petition and then kind of creating different sub petitions. We kind of um, brainstormed overall issues that we saw were kind of, in our school, whether that be through academic procedures and treatment and um, numbers, if you will, and also just different patterns we've noticed that don't go talked about much. So we initially started brainstorming like the disparities, the racial disparities between AP and honors or AP honors and regular classes. And, um, you know, what are the success rates of different students based on their race? And how are um, the contingencies of their race related to the standards that they hold not only for themselves but the standards that they feel other people hold for them. So um, that was something I really cared about. Also SRO officers was a huge thing. Um, now it's obviously one of the biggest things we're fighting for um, in our petition and essentially we want to get SRO student resource officers off of campus or we want to get them off campus because many minorities but specifically Latinos, Latinas um, and black people feel targeted by them um, especially concerning racial profiling and everything I'm saying by the way is a complete understatement to the lived experiences of all these people I'm just summarizing it and then um, so that that's a huge thing and then um, we want to implement an ethnic studies class um, for all ninth graders so that we kind of one reason we want to do it is to basically just educate um, incoming students on race relations um, and a lot of other complexities about race that that we kind of remain completely ignorant of not only throughout high school but even throughout college unless you take that course um, and then the two other things um, regarding our petition include um, disciplinary policies. So um, again, there are a lot of contingencies and different standards that go with your race according to stereotypes. Um, 
And those stereotypes, sadly, have kind of led different students to feel like they get targeted for being in trouble more than other students because of their race. We wanted to basically reform discipline and instead of instead of students being punished or expelled or suspended for too many absences and whatnot, um, basically we wanted to do positive referrals and in this way this will allow the student to grow and feel more accomplished when they do do something right, um, encouraging them to, to um, improve on whatever it is that they might have messed up on or whatever. So that's one thing. And then finally, we want to ensure an equity committee, which has been approved um, with both alumni, educators, students, um, et cetera, from both Los Altos and Mountain View and Alta Vista. And ideally, they would work closely with the board to ensure um, all of the um, sub points that we've, we've talked about and ensure that this stays in place and it's reinforced even 10 years from now and that it's passed on um, from board for future board members and um, future educators. I just have a couple things to add. So we have two co-founders, um, Ava Sakamoto and Sarah Tang. Um, they are both in the class of uh, 2020 um, at Mountain View High. Um, currently we have two co-directors and so we have three people who are the in-charge leader people positions. Um, that is Sri Harini, Nicole, and myself. Um, we have worked on this petition with LASAE, which is um, Los Altos Students, Alumni, and Educators. Um, they are from Los Altos High School, our sister school. They have been in the works for a lot longer than us. They have been doing a lot more. Um, and so when we were birthed this summer, um, they, just, they um, reached out to us and they were like, hey, you want to work together? Um, we were like, sure, bet, why not? Um, and so at that point, we had already had most of our petition done. Um, and so what we did when we met up with them is we worked to streamline the petition, change it so that it meets district and not just school standards and encompasses the entire district. Um, and we also added a bunch of other stuff. Um, instead of our four main issues, which was English curriculum, history curriculum, um, SROs, and um, staff and administration. Um, with the SROs, um, yes, we do want to change how we respond to certain um, grievances, I guess, with, when students, you know, act out, say someone broke into the vending machine, horrific, you know, they don't need to get expelled for that. Um, that is something that we would want to see a different punish, quote-unquote punishment for, or a reform instead of just being like, you are in trouble, sorry, goodbye, leave. Um, there are certain things, you know, like sexual assault and all of those deeper, heavier ones that we still would be like, yes, they need an actual, like a big boy punishment, but for the small things, you know, like um, a lot, like um, too many absences. We'd want a sort of response that isn't just you're in trouble and now you're being punished. We want a response that is, hey, we're going to help you out. We're going to make this a better um, experience for you in a way that you can now have less absences because we have acknowledged that this is an issue and we've worked together to fix it. Right. And um, to add on to that point about kind of reforming disciplinary pol policies, like maybe they're late to school every day because of their socioeconomic status and all this other stuff. And also 
you know, like there, I don't know, there's just a lot of other factors that go into what, um, makes a person do certain things. And, um, I think that rewarding them and getting them on the right track and making them feel good rather than shaming somebody and keeping them from growing or learning is, is, um, really, really important. So, but I'd say, I guess uh, our statement for the petition of what we want our goal to be yeah. is for all students to feel respected and understood on campus and to receive help when they need it. Um, not for unfair racial bias to impact their learning career because we are all students. You know, when you're a student, you're a student. Race should not define how they treat you as a student. Um, be it safety, um, just education, right. um, what classes you take, you know, they impact everything. And we want everyone to feel accepted on campus and supported. Yeah, um, I 100% agree with what uh, Enola and Nicole said. I mean, it's in our name. It's campus change and it's curriculum change. We want all students to feel um, comfortable, uh, comfortable, um, included, and there's kind of a different feeling when you feel that you really want to engage in a curriculum or on campus and, you know, be a part of that community. It's not just oh, uh, Spartan pause day, you know, come blow these bubbles at, you know, on in the quad. It's not just that. It's about students actually feeling as if they are being respected. And that, you know, that calls for a lot of new changes in both curriculum and especially in history classes and in, you know, English classes. It's just, you know, it needs to be changed in both AP classes and regular classes because the disparities between the curriculum and that is just it's it's that's really, ridiculous yeah that's exactly. really true in defense of the bubbles it's really hilarious to see like 18 year olds running around and chasing each other with bubble wands but like i feel that <laughs> and um so yeah it's definitely campus change and curriculum change we want all students to as enola and nicole were saying to feel comfortable and feel as if they are being heard and respected in a classroom and on campus. And that depends on teachers, that depends on SRO officers, it depends on so many different people on campus here and in the classrooms. Um, during the board meeting yesterday in particular, I heard uh, sort of the sample uh, speeches, including the fact that this petition is gonna be voted on in on October 5th. Is the whole petition gonna be like, decided on by the board at that point because it was kind of the first time I'd heard of it. Our goal in the past two general board meetings has been to um, basically tell them, hey, this is a thing. We'd like right. your acknowledgement. Right. Um, we'd like you to support what we are saying and right. we'd like you to vote on if you will give us that support because honestly at this point we've been waiting too long. Right. Um, they do acknowledge that there needs to be change but besides that, they have not said or done anything else. So, yeah, we're not sure if, you know, the Equity Alliance team, which apparently last night said that it was comprised of students and teachers, would work with the board to make a resolution or whether or not, you know, our entire um, kind of com integrated, integrated, um, you know, Los Altos and Mountain View organization, if you will, um, would work with them directly 
and create a resolution. Like there's just been no communication. So it's, it's really hard to kind of see where we're going. It solidifies my belief that they don't actually want to be dealing with this petition because if they were like excited to hear this petition and hear what the students have to say from the students and alumni themselves, they probably would have talked about it with us and they would have engaged with us. They, they seem to not want to approach us with this because they have um, the equity team and they want the equity team, which is like teachers and staff, right? Um, and they want the equity team to be doing this stuff, which I guess I understand. Um, but when students walk up to them and say, hey, this is an issue and we did this thing and it is very cool and professional and we would like you to look at it. Right. I mean, I do want to bring up one point with the equity committee. Was, we did talk about it, but um, the, the staff members and educators on the equity committee are amazing. They, they're, um, they're truly passionate. I've worked with a lot of the people on the equity committee. They're very passionate members of the staff. They want what's best for the students and they're willing to work with the students. I actually remembered something else. Um, I think it was a few years ago when I was a sophomore. I was in the social justice class. So um, um, another student from the class, Nene, and you know, we both uh, kind of had this fair almost to raise awareness about police brutality because there was a case that had recently just happened in San Jose. So we really wanted to bring that awareness because no one said anything about it, even though it was local, it was San Jose. So it was shocking. So we said we have to do something about it. It was a part of the second semester project, but it was, it was really um, a great way to really raise awareness about it in Mountain View. So, you know, we had tables out next to the science quad, I think it was near the English department too so somewhere around that area and we just had tables out we had these kind of science fair trifolds and like we had information about it Nene wrote poems that she wanted to share about her experience as um she's from Haiti so she talked about her experiences you know coming to America and she has a twin sister it was she shared some of the most beautiful poems truly and um I think I created this artwork but we shared statistics we did so much research about this and what i'm trying to say this um the point is um we had staff members come out and you know they engaged with what we were saying students especially underclassmen came i think freshmen came a lot but you know mr grissom came over he asked us questions they were really engaging during this time were changes made no but um overall they seemed almost more engaging to it because they were like they're not really asking for any changes they're just trying to raise awareness so you know they seemed more kind of involved with that than now you know we're like okay well you know we've raised awareness there have been protests in mountain view actually but now we want mountain view like the campus and the curriculum we need to make more changes to for it to be more inclusive to all our students and they're starting it's starting to be a really slow process where we're seeing how people yeah. truly when there's change to be it is definitely absolutely a fragility like because what they want what they want is for someone to be like hey i feel uncomfortable and they go i'm so sorry and that's the end of it like the uh, i'm so sorry makes up for literally every single instance of like racism on campus and that's something we're trying to avoid and that's something 
that they are wholeheartedly trying to keep is their white fragility where they just don't want to talk about it. They're like, I'm sorry, no thanks. Um, sucks that this is happening. It's horrendous, but what can we do? We can't do anything. Sorry. It's, it's a very uh, passive situation, yeah. Why we believe it's important to have the student participants either directly working on the petition or giving their voice on the survey or student testimonials. Uh, what makes that really important? Well, when we, when we apply the petition to, you know, its objectives, it's, it's campus change, it's curriculum change. Who are the people who are being influenced by the curriculum? The students, they're the ones who the school kind of, that's their main objective to kind of have an environment where students are learning. That's their first goal and also feel comfortable in and are respected there. Um, so student voice is really important for that reason because they need to kind of provide feedback on what's happening, what's going on. That's why we have alumni saying, this is what worked for me. This is what definitely did not work for me in the curriculum and in, you know, on campus. So we see that, we hear that. We, um, as I think Nicole said, we put it officially and really professionally in a petition. We worked hard on this. And to see it not being respected means that, you know, student voice isn't being respected in a way. And also there are gonna be some compromises, but just getting started on that is where we're at right now and why student voice matters so much in this moment. And it always has mattered and it always will matter even when we graduate and after that, so yeah. We're all MBA students, but what has been your experience being taught about uh, race and different cultures, uh, literature? <laughs> My experience learning about race has been like in English classes when someone is of not white origin they have some sort of stupid accent so it's not it's really hard to find like a positive and intelligent representation of a minority as a main character or as an author in uh, in our schools um, I know from personal experience, I have always been like, hey, where's that strong black female writer that we talk about for more than one day because we actually care about her and we're not just doing this to fulfill some sort of diversity requirement, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think it's, it's very minimal, you know, because the, the, the books that we use to talk about race are Huckleberry Finn and To Kill a Mockingbird which I feel like they, it's like, I don't know. It'd be like reading a study about like menstrual cycles written by like a cis dude, you know? Like it just doesn't make sense. You know, like, yes, you have, I guess, experience with it somehow, but like also we would like, you know, uh, a firsthand uh, opinion about these things. A primary source. Yes, you a will. primary source. I love you. Um, but I think that curriculum has just been holding on to these quote-unquote classics for so long that the second we're like, hey, can we have like a writer that isn't an old white guy? They're like, what does that mean? Since when was that a thing? Like, here, have some like Langston Hughes poems real quick, and that's about all we'll give you. I think, I mean, having read both Huckleberry Finn and To Kill a Mockingbird. I, I actually enjoyed both books, but again, my perspective, my position could be completely different 
from somebody who is of who's somebody who is not um white or somebody who is black you know that i it you can have anybody can have a different interpretation on a book based on their own lived experiences that are being portrayed throughout that book and also um you know how they resonate with the characters and all that kind of stuff but um i think what it is is i think there's i think there needs to be a balance um when race is actually such a is such a central theme that um is relevant in a lot of like in a lot of books that we read and also um like through the school but also like in you know in history race there will always be something involved within not only obviously american history but i mean even in european history um race is such a prevalent theme there needs to be a balance of characters and talking about race in a fictional and in a literature sense and also race from like many years back but also we need to have more of a dialogue on how it's still relevant now you know what i mean like i feel like we have this view as if we've defeated it like we talk about these book these books and races if it's like past tense you do you get what i'm saying yeah okay so i know the uh inclusion of this new ethics ethics studies course uh is something we want to implement for ninth graders uh what do you guys think the importance of uh, teaching this unit is like in high school specifically at the age 14? Um, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll pop off. So essentially, <laughs> no, as essentially what we, what we want to achieve with a ethnic studies course for ninth graders that's mandatory is we want to build their empathy and consideration towards more sides of the story um, than just one, you know, because when we learn history or um, when we read literature, we are reading from one point of view, right? You know, like our textbook, um, our, say our American history textbook, for example, um, talking about how the founding fathers were amazing people, incredible people who fought for our freedom and were just generally great guys, you know, I, you know, I can't like bash him, you know, great, now we have America. Um, but they don't really talk about the fact that like, Thomas Jefferson had slaves, Washington had slaves, a majority of them did have slaves. Um, Alexander Hamilton, while not having slaves, he did trade them like, it was one of those things that's like, we need to put more things into perspective for students. Because I've been sitting in classes before where we're reading, um, like, say, Native American poetry, and there are students who are, like, laughing. And they're saying, this is so stupid. Like, what's the point? And with an ethnic studies course, we would help, help students for, like, to prepare for their next, like, for the rest of their high school career and beyond to have an open mindset and to respect other cultures and other people, even if they aren't the same as theirs, you know? I, adding on to that, um, I also think the, the big thing with the ethnic studies course is making a curriculum that's contemporary. Because again, when we 
read or um, read about race or we um, we discuss it, we read it from a literary point of view, which sometimes could be, you know, a, a text that was written in 1950s, what, in the 1950s. And it kind of, like I said, shapes this lens as if it was like this issue that was dismantled many years ago, or it was dismantled um, whenever the civil rights movement happened. And that was kind of it. And it's not as bad as anymore. But I don't think we discuss now about how, like, we discuss those effects. We just really need to, the ethnic studies will really ensure that we, like, we, like, maintain, maintain its relevance of the things that we learn in our other classes and continue that momentum through our everyday life. Do you think we've been negatively affected the way we've been taught uh like as people who have who will not see this education reform um well i think the short answer is yes we um as upperclassmen are going to be negative negatively affected but there's also so many different opportunities to learn more it's not like there's a brick wall and it's like oh we can't go back and access this course that has all the mystery answers i mean these are things that we are getting from so many different sources the thing the curriculum for this class is going to be existent everywhere it's going to be existing college courses um there's also a social justice course i'm pretty sure at mountain view high school that's um, being carried out and was carried out a few years ago but i i see what you mean it is there are so many um impacts of having, you know, a Eurocentric lens on history, whatever history um, someone's in, MEHAP or USHAP or WAP or um, the current event, all of these basically have a pretty Eurocentric view on them because that's kind of how a lot of, you know, these different historical events are depicted almost. We see it from one certain point. Same thing with literature. Um, we start by reading Shakespeare. I'm not going to say anything because Shakespeare is um, truly, I mean, an important piece of literature to read. It is really important, but that's not saying that, you know, um, write authors and writers of color are not. They are, in a modern society, those are the, you know, um, narratives we need to hear more of. And um, we'll still have access to that. But I remember from your last question, you specifically emphasized ninth graders. These people are 12 years old or like 13. So, you know, they're in their adolescent years, pretty, you know, young, but learning about different narratives, it's going to be important from elementary school. This is one book that sticks with me to this day, and I think we read it in like third or fourth grade. So, you know, in one of those big textbooks, and it's like a short story, it's Mildred D. Taylor's The Gold Cadillac, and it talks about an African-American family in the South, I think in Mississippi, I'm not sure, but it talks about how people kind of, you know, it, it talks about some really harsh experiences that are overlooked sometimes. Like the story is basically um, an African-American family gets this Cadillac and the Cadillac is a super fancy car. And eventually um, the person who's driving the car, because uh, the story is told by, you know, the youngest daughter. So she talks about how a police car stops them and eventually um, her father was arrested and they, you know, they, he's eventually free, but it just talks about so many obstacles that are overlooked by everything, by history, by, 
you know, literature, but having those small instances, which will grow to become so much more larger as we start introducing novels, short stories, poems by, you know, authors of color, it will be, it's so relevant. And it is upsetting that we have been kept away by, um, from these, you know, different uh, forms of literature. I, I mean, we just read uh, Como to Like You, Like Me in AP Lit. And I, I felt so upset that I hadn't read it before because it was so meaningful. It's just such a beautiful work and it talks about pain, but it talks about power. And that's why there's so much confusion among students, um, you know, when they hear about cases of police, police brutality and they have to encounter, you know, an SRO on campus, it's, it's difficult to know what to do. And like in a, in a classroom, this is why I also wanted to bring up AP Comp. I wasn't really comfortable during the Socratic seminars in AP Comp because my class was predominantly, you know, um, white. And th that's not a big deal. I mean, our whole school is predominantly white. That is just a thing at Mountain But I never felt comfortable because it was, you know, we read about these, these narratives and they're all about pain. Like, you know, like, what do we do now? There's mass incarceration. There's nothing empowering, which is, is so troubling. And so I never felt comfortable in those Socratic seminars or whenever we read what in Mihap when we learned about, you know, uh, uh, Brit the British Empire. So like, I never felt comfortable during those units because like we talked about pain, what we didn't really see these people in history, people of color in history as people who sacrificed so much and were really empowered. We skip all over that and we talk about how people were abused, people of color were abused in history. I'm glad that Mountain View starting on that course, but there's there's a long way to go, which which is what I was trying to say. But um, there's there's a lot, and we can start learning at any age. But like you said, there are definitely more things that um, young students have to start learning, and we also have to <laughs> kind of scour around and find out for ourselves eventually. How would you encourage uh, other students to? Uh support the petition and like be anti-racist like the student like the petition kind of also supports i'd say the the biggest thing that i think people don't do is their own research um like you need to like figure it out for you like you need to literally go out there and be like okay i'm gonna look this up i need some information on why this is an issue you know if you don't think it's an issue like i had a friend who was like I didn't know this was a thing, but I watched the testimonials and oh my gosh, like what else did I not know? Um, and I think that's the biggest thing, like when people underestimate the significance and the depth of issues like racism in a quote unquote progressive area, um, I think one thing they need to do is research of their own, um, you know, obviously like trusted sites and all that jazz, but also reaching out to people um, and asking like, you know, your friends of color, like what their experiences have been. Cause I know sometimes as a person of color, I'm like, I, I don't walk into the world and go, people oppress me. I don't say that. I don't just like, I don't walk out into the world and go, yes, oppression is real because I have been oppressed, you know? But if someone asks me, I might as well just be like, yeah, it's a thing. You know, my freshman year, a substitute made fun of my afro in front of the entire class on from my yearbook photo and you know it happened it it was a thing i don't really care anymore but it did happen and i think that people are quite oblivious at times to situations that 
occur around them either because they think it's normal they think it's fine or they just solidly were not paying attention at all and i think the biggest thing is read the petition watch testimonials just look things up we have the internet for a reason i know most of it is like horse poo but you know it's fine because there are some good sources out there that you can find and i believe in you you know I, I have a small point adding on to yeah adding on to what you're saying about doing your own research and um and seeking out kind of um seeking out what what the truth is because I think especially and this is this is kind of this is sad but um in in wake of the of the 2020 election and in um in the wake of the death of George Floyd and several other, um, like Breonna Taylor, but also there were several other ones that were not quite as nationalized, but um, just I'm saying occur occurring around that time, the topic of race become more so of a political like vehicle, if you will, it, it's made, Black Lives Matter, a, a political, like a political um, piece of propaganda, I almost want to say, which is sad. So um, there's a lot of bigoted, there's a lot of um, false information out there on, honestly, there, there are some, there's a lot of false information on both sides, but I think that the best source of information you can get is from people in your community, people who you know. Um, I was aware of, I, you know, I've heard a lot of people think that, who are white, think that white privilege, the term itself is a little bit offensive because it undermines, um, you know, the hard experiences that white people have had to go through, not because of their race, but, you know, if that person has had a hard life in general. And it, it it's like, that's not what it's saying. So I, I think, like, I was aware of mine when I was, like, seven because I had a best friend and I saw the way that she was being treated versus the way I was being treated and versus the way that everybody else was being treated and how she was specifically being targeted. And, um, seek out, your like, the people in your community and also... There's a lot of really cool ways that you can educate yourself that are beyond just political um, journalistic companies or sites or um, whatever. Oh, I mean, you both covered it amazingly. And um, if I had to add something else people could do besides, you know, signing petitions and, um, you know, educating uh, themselves, I think it's really important for people to really listen i mean i know that's one that's said quite frequently nowadays we have a lot of questions to ask ourselves who is um really being affected like you know in terms of the sros in terms of curriculum in terms of campus just you know keeping it more like relevant to what um our club or organization is but um definitely listening to more students to more staff to even board members i mean we all have so much to understand and really you know have that sense of empathy, especially as we interact with each other. And that's super important. That's going to be something 
that's going to be laid out, I'm pretty sure, in the ethnic studies class, the main uh, component of respect, because I remember that being a major principle in the social justice class. All our discussions were so respectful, and that, that's something that I had never been exposed to, you know, just people, like, you wanting to participate in a discussion, like, and, you know, everyone was just so passionate about that, so it was something that I think the social justice class carried out so well um, when I was a student in the class. Yeah. But yeah, it's just especially respect and definitely participating in, in you know, discussions and also listening. So that's what I would add more to that. Yeah. I love you. <laughs> you all have I, been very lovely. Oh, I want to add one last thing. My bad. Um, Go ahead. <laughs> one thing that I want to add is find your own truth. You know, it's, it's not an opinion that people are being oppressed. It's an opinion of what you want to do about it. You know, you can completely blatantly ignore it. It's still a thing. It's happening. Um, but find your own truth in the sense that if I walked up to you and said, hey, there's a chicken doing hopscotch in front of my house, you'd probably want to go see that there's a chicken doing hopscotch in front of my house instead of just taking my word for it. So with that, I tell students to really do their own research. Like I said, look for yourself, find out for yourself what you do and don't know, because that by far is the most important thing when fighting something so integrated into our society as racism. You've all been very lovely to talk to. <laughs> Too. Very smart, yeah, very interesting to listen to. Um, really, thank you so much for talking with me. It's been nice. And that is all for this episode of Oracle's Forums. Please subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode was hosted by me, Sydney Roshnick, and edited by Max Sonata. Oracle's Forums are affiliated with MVHS Oracle, and for more information, please go to mvhsoracle.com. Thank you for tuning in.